the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Pick up the phone, give me a call, 800-516-1220. Existing home sales unexpectedly dropped in the month of April, a relative weak number. Leading indicators in April soared past expectations. Positive. Jobless claims in the U.S. fell over the past month to a 15-year low. Positive. Morgan Stanley thinks Apple could rise 50%. Woohoo! I own shares of Apple. McDonald's workers calling for a supersized paycheck. Those are the headlines of the day. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com, or you can listen to a show here every day from 1 to 2 p.m., new focus on wealth. Let's talk retirement plan beneficiary mistakes. Four words. <laughs> and I just see beneficiary mistakes jumping out of the, out of these. Well, what are we talking about here? Well, what for four words were coming to your mind? <laughs> retirement plan, plan beneficiary mistakes. Okay, gotcha. and the two <laughs> words that jump out beneficiary mistakes yeah. because I'm I'm one of those people. You know, at one point in time if I died, money would have gone to my ex-wife. Mm-hmm. At one point in time, if I died, it would have gone to a girlfriend from the 20s, Yep, a girlfriend from the late 20s, uh, because I do a lot of financial paperwork, and I don't update my paperwork, because I just never seem to have time for that. Well, it, the biggest issue, too, is that people go through the process of doing a living trust, okay, and they think they're done. Well, they're, the yeah. attorney hopefully did the job of putting the, the home in the living trust, and re-registering that, and your brokerage accounts, but... If you don't update your beneficiaries and make sure that your beneficiary designations match your estate plan that's in the trust, your beneficiary designations supersede what's in your will or your trust. So whatever you've named on there is how it's going to go. If you got a brand new trust, it doesn't matter. It's how that retirement plan beneficiary is designation. So the biggest mistake that people make is not taking advantage of what's called the stretch IRA. So what, what, is, a, what is a stretch IRA? A stretch IRA is... is where if you leave your, if you pass away and you have an IRA, your spouse has two options. One is they can leave it in an inherited IRA, which means that's good sometimes for a younger spouse that's under age 59 and a half and they need to have income currently without the 10% penalty. 
Most people that are over 59 and a half, if they pass away, the, their spouse can roll it into their existing IRA without any taxes at all. A stretch IRA is when you leave it to your kids, and if you leave it the right way, they can roll it into an inherited IRA and stretch the, the tax deferral over their lifetime. They'll have to take a little bit out each year. They can take more if they want to, but they can stretch it out over their life expectancy. And sometimes it's even left over for the next generation if, if you, you know, live a long time and you've got great investment returns. So when you don't name a beneficiary at all, it essentially goes to your state. And if you die and you're under age 70 and a half, your heirs have to pay the taxes within five years. So it blows it up. you got a large IRA of a million dollars. That, that's going to put them into the highest tax bracket possible versus stretching it out over a lifetime and letting that Uncle Sam's money stay in the account and grow for you. So no beneficiary at all or naming your estate or your will, those are the two biggest mistakes that can cost your kids a ton of money that goes to the government much, instead of your family. How much is a ton of money? Well, you're talking 39.6% federal yeah. plus – you got to remember, you got that Prop 30 tax in California now that can push their tax bracket over 500,000 up to 13.3 percent. So 39.6 plus 13.3. Let's let's wait, 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 wait. I want to talk this through with you. Mm-hmm. Which way is more, a ton of money, a ton of pennies, or a ton of dollar bills? I think a ton of feathers. <laughs> so, so a ton of money, you're just saying is okay. Choice D. I can't get I can't get you to bite and play with me on that one. No. Um, naming retirement beneficiaries. Um, those are the two big mistakes. Yeah. You mentioned one, and you, you had this as an issue for a while, um, girlfriend, or how after divorce? People don't update their estate plans or their yeah. beneficiary designations after divorce. And a bigger one now, since 55% of marriages end in divorce and 60% of second marriages end in divorce, is uh, people start doing prenups, okay. especially when they you know get nailed in the first one. They never want that to happen again. Prenup. And you might say in your prenup, hey, look, my 401k, that's my asset that are going to go to my kids when I pass. So in this prenup, I want you to waive the rights to it. doesn't work. It has no effect whatsoever on a retirement plan because retirement plans are managed by ERISA. That's the law. And ERISA says the only person that can waive, the only time a spouse can waive the rights to a retirement plan is if they're a spouse. Well, when you sign a prenup, you're not a spouse yet. I would imagine some people got pretty upset to learn that. Oh, there's countless stories. There's one story where a, a guy in um, in New York uh, thought he was a beneficiary on his spouse's, for 14 years, spouse, her pension plan. Okay. And he wasn't. The sister got the money. Now, in certain states like California, you have white, white rights to it. And some plan documents, Rob, say that as soon as you're a spouse, you're immediately vested. Or as soon as you're a spouse for a year, you're immediately vested. So it's also the plan document. If you want to do that and have somebody waive that and be a part of that, you got to work with your state planning attorney and your family law attorney and make sure that after you're married, there's spousal waiver forms that are signed, if that's that's you. So also bad language in your kid's trust. A lot of people want to leave their, their money to their kids in trust. Yep. And if you don't have see-through or conduit language in your trust that allows the kids to stretch that IRA out but have that you have some control in your trust, you can blow up the IRA and cost too many taxes as well. So bad language in children's trust is also a ba- major mistake that I see. That doesn't sound good. Mm-mm. With that being said, that's Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. You can listen to a show every day here, Monday through Friday, New Focus on Wealth. It's Chad Burton, and I'm Rob Black. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Fascinating story. Lumber liquidators. 
their CEO quit. He's gone. Less than a month after the company's CFO also stepped down. They say that in sports, success or failure starts at the top. Jed York seems to be a bit of a, I hate to use this word, but it seems to fit, boob. And no one seems to like him in the 49ers, as far as the public goes. And since he's kind of, just kind of like man boss, uh, man boy boss kind of thing, you have the problem of, you know, if he doesn't get it his way, he wants it, well, his way. Uh, 49ers had what looked like a great coach and Jim Harbaugh. Uh, great track record. Quick turnaround. Uh, maybe the players got tired of it. Maybe the discipline or the yelling or what have you, but success or failure starts at the top. And when your CEO and your CFO leave within a month after CBS News 60 Minutes aired a report saying that Chinese laminate flooring contained high levels of formaldehyde, which is a known carcinogen, um, the company's insurers are balking over, you know, covering its customers' claims. Lumber liquidators could go to zero. And that's what a lot of people who are short of the stock believe. There's a guy named Whitney Tilson, who first brought the story to the CBS program, has been prominently short in the stock. The founder and managing partner of Case Capital Management told CNBC he materially increased his short position earlier this month. Lumber liquidators also said John Presley, its lead independent director, has been appointed as non-executive chairman of the board of directors. This is a mess. When you don't have management, success or failure starts at the top. And this just smells like a mess. Spotify is going to add video and podcasts and other things to its service. They're going to pay an upfront fee to ABC, BBC, ESPN, and NBC. And then later on, they're going to start selling some ads into it. The music streaming world is quickly, quickly getting up to uh, a lot of competition. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Silicon Valley's housing nightmare breeds absurd assumptions. And if you live in the Bay Area, you kind of grasp that. Like, you miss it because you're grasping you know, the assumption. If you live anywhere else in the world, almost anywhere else, you don't have our problem. The geographical heart of the tech boom, Silicon Valley, all the way up through San Francisco, is a major problem. It has too many people making lots of money and not enough places to put them to live. There was an article recently written about this. Just arguing it. And uh, you might not be moved by the plight of you know people who make $250,000 a year, but policymakers should be. You know, you need equity to live in Silicon Valley. If the country's wealthiest laborers can't, can barely afford to live 
where they work in this part of California, what's it said for everyone else in the area, the people who aren't making that money? To give you an idea, I bought my home six, seven years ago for 950 Same size house in much worse condition came on the market five years later for 1.5. I know the couple that bought it for 1.5. He makes $400,000 a year. He owns part of a company that places stories, like if you punch in Apple at Yahoo, you see it populated with stories underneath it. That's a business that's not going to be needed in five years from now. So I hope he cashes out because I know that they're struggling on a $400,000 a year salary to express a lifestyle that sounds like a $400,000 salary. Uh, She wears frumpy clothes and she's tired of wearing frumpy clothes. And $400,000 salary anywhere else in the United States and she's wearing designer everything, as are the kids. So you need a cushion or you need some sort of equity from a successful startup in order to really have that cushion. If you want to send two children to a private college, you know, you need several, you're, you're probably not going to be funding your retirement. Trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you. I know people. Um, a lot of my good friends have families and, uh, you know, I've heard from more than one wife and I don't know if this is like a desperate housewives of the peninsula thing going on where Suddenly, I'm more attractive because I I own a home. A lot of my friends don't own a home, and like I said, they're making two hundred fifty thousand. They can't afford a home. So, um, so to do analysis of this, you have to make a lot of assumptions. Like, you start with a thirty-year-old couple who are in two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, spend sixty thousand dollars on items not supporting children. You start looking at inflation rates. Um, you look at income stopping at age 65. You buy a house for at age 34 million dollars, finance a $200,000 down payment on you finance an $800,000 mortgage. Mortgage has got a great rate of 3.75 percent. You crunch these numbers. You add in federal and state taxes about 45 percent of income. You look at you know savings at six percent a year, um, and they're not going to hit retirement. So they're going to be far short. But again, the Bay Area has got like that. People spend $2,400 a year on a gardener. Uh, a big problem, you know, is, is the housing. It's absurd. It's pretty much a reality if you want to live within a reasonable commute and it's important to have a good school district. It's a big problem. And again, I can afford it. My neighbor can't. I know... Uh, school teachers that can't. So I volunteer a lot of schools and uh, it's absurd. So police can't. The police get a hell of a pension. Teachers get an okay pension, but not great. Just okay. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, in particular, stock market. The market has logged three full days of trading so far and it's basically gone nowhere. It kind of feels like the whole year. Going sideways isn't bad. Um, it gives us time to consolidate years past gains. The airlines have been pretty hard hit. Airlines down 7% based on 
Southwest saying they're going to add capacity. Better than expected results out of Best Buy and Salesforce. Little M&A activity today in CVS Healthcare acquiring Omnicare. Hewlett Packard selling a controlling stake in its China-based server storage and technology business for about 2.3 billion. It's the only way you could really have a technology business in China is to find a way to make the Chinese government, fit, you know, good with you. Um, so you, you have to sell a 51% stake in Hewlett Packard's case. Otherwise, the Chinese just aren't going to believe that you're not a big spy company for the United States. Hewlett Packard results reports its quarterly results today after the close. Um, that will be interesting. The airlines, speaking of which, you know, they're down 10% this year, but they've had an amazing run, an amazing run. But analysts are cutting targets, and you don't want to come in too soon until you've seen kind of a whole round of target cutting happening. So United down year-to-date 18%, Southwest down 11%, American Airlines down 18%, JetBlue's up 28%, Spirit Airlines down 16%, Delta down 10%, Alaska up 7%, Virgin America down 35%. Now, one way of playing investments is to take a look at that group of names. That's basically the airlines. The only one I think I'm missing is Hawaiian. Um, and you say, okay, the best one's up 28. Let's throw that one away. The worst one's down 35. Let's throw that one away. And you see most of the numbers like 16 and 18. There's a couple that are 10 and 11. And you could start saying, okay, where do I feel safety is? Um, as a group, where is the numbers bottoming at? Where do they go sideways? And you just have to watch this for a period of time to get kind of a feel for it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Um, thank you for letting me do what I do. You know, there's been a lot of people reflecting recently about Dave Letterman, and uh, some of the commentary, you know, was he influenced 80% of my career. I think there is some of, you know, I remember staying up till uh, 12 o'clock at night, uh, to watch Letterman. This was right when VCRs were being invented. And, you know, if you forgot to set the VCR, then you were, like, all bummed. But uh, it's kind of funny, because he, he was a genius for the first 20 years of his career, but the last 10, he's just been a cranky old man. Um, and I think that happens to all of us. So when I get cranky, let me know, and I'll go away. I try to be, try to be light, and I try to be entertaining. So and I, I think I owe about 80% of that to Dave Letterman. There's a couple other people I would shout out as influences, but uh, he's definitely top. He did things, he put a camera on a monkey. No one had ever put a camera on a monkey. He wore khaki pants and a, and a blazer. No one in talk radio, in uh, talk shows ever did that. It blazed a trail. Up around black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. Joining me now, Chris Yachia with TheStreet.com, tech editor. How are you, Chris? Hmm. Let's try that again. Chris 
You there? Rob, can you hear me? Gotcha. Um, button on our end that we didn't press. Sorry about that. Um, you're here to talk a little bit today about Yahoo and the IRS. That sounds like a bad combination. What do we need to know? You would normally think it is a bad combination, but Yahoo seems to think everything is hunky-dory. Whether that's the case you know, remains to be seen, but that's their stance right now. Earlier this week, there was a senior official or mid-level senior official from the IRS that came out and said that spinoffs um, from the IRS perspective is going to be, are going to need to be put on hold because they're not entirely sure what's going on into the spinoff. And that sent Yahoo shares, which were trading on Tuesday, pretty flat. They plunged 15 minutes before the close of trading, wound up closing down about 7% um, because people are expecting Alibaba to spin off or people are expecting Yahoo to spin off its Alibaba stake by the end of the year, and this ruling seemed to hit directly at Yahoo. Yahoo later came out in the day to me, I guess it was about 11 o'clock, with a statement saying that the IRS's comments do not affect them. They affect anything going forward, but Yahoo's uh, spin-off request happened before these comments, so it should be everything should be... Uh, easy peasy going forward but whether that's the case or not remains to be seen shares kind of wound up a little bit higher yesterday on some you know concerns being weighted by uh, by investors but there's still you know the the spinoff is not closed so we'll see whether the IRS hits it or not but I suspect that Yahoo investors are, are likely to get what they want by the end of the year okay and how about fundamentally how do you feel Yahoo's doing. We know that AOL got acquired last week in a different direction where a lot of people were expecting maybe Yahoo to be in on that deal. Um, how's Yahoo's core business with Marissa Meyer doing? Yahoo's core business under the leadership of Meyer uh, over the past three years has been pretty stagnant. You know, they've kind of focused, you know, on this quote-unquote maven's buzzword, which I've never, doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it's a nice little acronym to you know, if you're Yahoo, but it just seems like it's shifting revenue around. You know, they have over a billion users, 600 million on mobile, and that's all well and good. But revenues haven't moved any substantial amount over the past three years. She spent close to $2 billion in acquisitions on Tumblr, Brightroll, AVA, you know, and things of that nature. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to see why that money is being spent for right now when there's really no uh, growth to the top line. She's come out and said before, you know, it's going to take a multi-year turnaround, but, you know, we're already three and a half years into it, or close to close to three years into it. At what point does that multi-year turnaround start to happen? So investors are happy because the share price is going up because Alibaba's, um, because of the Alibaba initial public offering in early last, or late last year, and talk about this tax spinoff, but... The core business is not valued at anything by Wall Street right now. It's interesting because uh, a lot of people like Marissa Meyer should just walk away right now having basically turned a $12 stock into a $45 stock and uh, looking pretty good because it, it, it's a tough world in the world of technology. Do you think they could ever regain prominence like a Google has or like a Facebook has, or is it just going to be too much work? Yeah, they have the user base to do it. 
So it's not okay. so that's that's one thing Yahoo has going for them. But in terms of actually generating money from those users, Yahoo is in two very different businesses, search and display. Search is dominated by Google. So Yahoo is starting from a really small base and display right now is being dominated by Facebook. Advertising dollars are increasingly going to Facebook. They go to Google, obviously, and to some extent Twitter, but Yahoo is so far behind the ball on both of those instances in terms of being the dominant player. It's just it's tough to see how they ever recapture the, the, the years when Jerry Yang was running the company and everyone on Wall Street and Silicon Valley couldn't get enough of Yahoo. Changing topics to the Apple Watch. This has been a kind of a fascinating seven or eight days for Apple. Uh, Carl Icahn coming out saying it's a $240 stock. Um, open letter to Tim Cook. He throws in. He doesn't even throw in the, the watch as a factor. He throws in the television and the you know potential automobile in 2020. Um, some analysts are coming out and cutting their expectations on the watch. Some analysts are coming out and upping their expectations on the watch. Let's talk about the watch, and then maybe we'll get into the little Carl Icahn twist as well. Sure. Yeah, I think the watch is interesting from a Wall Street perspective because Apple's come out and said that they're not going to publicly release numbers because they don't want the competition to know about it. So it leads to a whole bunch of speculation from Wall Street. Well, one guy says demand is weak. One person says demand is strong. So it's really kind of who do you believe on this? There's nothing concrete to see. Because Apple's come out and said, we're not going to release anything. So it just kind of boils down to who do you believe. And sometimes, you know, that leads to confusion. And if there's anything Wall Street hates, it's confusion. Now, personally, I think the watch is uh, doing pretty well. You know, I've seen it, you know, in quite a few different places. But it's not the iPhone, if people are expecting that. It's not going to go gangbusters and sell 50 million watches. Apple's not going to sell 50 million watches this year. I suspect, you know, I would be happy if Apple sold somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 30. But again, we're not going to get any concrete numbers from Apple. So all we have is speculation at this point. How do you feel about the watch going forward? Is it going to be a better reviewed product in version 2, like the iPhone was? Or do we just not want it, per se? Because... I've got friends who are real Apple enthusiasts, and they got the watch, and they're kind of disappointed. Again, it comes down to a fact whether Apple and the developers can actually make this device useful. The iPhone, when it was announced in 2007, was a great device, but it wasn't really all that useful when you compare it to the iPhone of today. There's There's over a million apps available on the iPhone today, and there was nothing when the iPhone was announced in 2007. There are around 4,000 apps available for the watch today. Who knows what version 2 will have? Maybe that's 10,000. Maybe that's 20,000. You know, it's anybody's guess as to what it will be. That's where it really comes down to is the functionality of the watch is great from a hardware and software perspective, but what you can actually do with it is key with developers, and developers seem to be pretty optimistic about it. You know, I've talked to a few of them. You know, they're not they're not as keen on it as they are on iPhone apps because of the way they're actually building it. Um, but I, Apple is going to change that down the line. You know, once we get more apps developed for the watch, 
So I suspect that developer enthusiasm will continue to pick up, and then ultimately we'll see consumer enthusiasm pick up as well. Anything else that you're working on right now in technology, Chris, that you think we should be speaking about? Yeah, you mentioned Carl Icahn and the car and, and the television set. I thought it was okay. funny that, um, you know, the Wall Street Journal came out and kind of put a damper on Carl's letter, and then Carl went on CNBC saying he didn't even know how to read the article. I don't think that Apple is going to build a TV. You know, I haven't written about it in the past year or so because, you know, my sources have said, you know, it's kind of on the back burner. Um and you know they've you've seen the increase in r and d spending, and the increase in r and d spending, if they were going to build a just the television wouldn't be ramping up as much as they are, say if they're doing something with electric batteries and electric vehicles. You've seen a sharp increase in r and d spending, obviously part of that is the watch and different things like Apple pay, and you know the the refreshed apple t v will get later this year. But it's expensive to build a car. It's not that expensive to build a TV, especially when you've already come out and have computer monitor or PC monitors. So it's not that. So the R&D spending kind of suggests that the, the TV is on the back burner, and they're really kind of focusing on the car. And I just I don't think the car is going to be as big of a deal as Icon made it out to be in the letter. But it's going to be a big deal, and people are going to really be excited about it. Sounds good. It's Chris Iaccia, tech editor with thestreet.com, uh, talking all things tech for us on a regular basis. I think it's always good to hear the airline stocks changing topics. Um, kind of in a big descent right now. It's been a perfect environment for airlines until the recently naughty word, the C word, got introduced into earnings reports capacity. Demand for air travel is strong. While capacity has been constrained, which means fewer empty seats and strong fares, airlines got a second bonus this past year's oil and fuel cost dropped aggressively. Now the airline index is starting to fall. The S&P 500 airlines index is up 171% over the last five years. It's a standout. There's no doubt about it. But the index now, which is obviously a group of airline stocks, um, has fallen 5 to 10% with you know, individual names falling harder than the overall index. There's a fear of other airlines, other than Southwest Airlines, planning to boost capacity by 5%. Mm. It's interesting. How long does oil stay low? And uh, are the airlines being greedy by adding more flights? Yes, no, or maybe so. That's how Wall Street works. We don't know, but we're assuming the worst. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Wall Street has a little bit of everything. 
Morgan Stanley wealth manager who had an affair with a client could cost the bank $400 million. A high-flying Morgan Stanley investment advisor named Amy Forte has the bank facing an enormous fine. The fine would be the result of a lawsuit filed against the bank by the widow of a multimillionaire client. The widow is Linda Spear, who was married to Roy Spear, co-founder of the Home Shopping Network. He died in 2012. Now, Linda Spear says the bank overcharged her husband while he was alive. To complicate matters, Roy Spear and Forte were having an affair. It started in 1998. Details of the affair came out in a financial industry regulatory authority hearing that took place this month in Florida. According to the report, Morgan Stanley might be on the hook for a lot less than $170 million. It might just be $100 million, up to $400 million. Um, during the last several years of his life, Roy Spear suffered from significant diminished mental capacity, as well as substantial physical infirmities. He was in a wheelchair bound and diapered, could not drive, and was attended to daily by a full-time caregiver. And there was an affair going on with that. Uh, uh, what do you say to that story? <laughs> Can you top that one? Relatively healthy and good-looking woman having an affair with a man in a wheelchair who she's giving financial advice to. Wow. <clears throat> you know the Game of Thrones commercials? Game of War commercials? Kate Upton, you can't really miss it if you watch any TV or have an internet connection. Uh, the game's a disaster. <clears throat> the commercial looks like there's going to be, like, you're going to fight titans and you're going to fight, like, fire-breathing dragons. There's no war in Game of War. It's just a stupid resource-gathering uh, game. There's kind of an innuendo that you'll eventually get a war, but it's kind of stupid. Best Buy reported adjusted quarterly profit of 37 cents a share, better than expected. Omnicare is being bought by CVS Healthcare. Hewlett Packard to sell a 51% stake in its China-based data networking operation. Pfizer fabricates pharmaceuticals. Jeffries tapped the drug maker as its top global pharmaceutical pick, based on a positive outlook for its drug pipeline. Nike, Jeffries began coverage on the shoe and apparel maker with a buy rating, both on its business outlook as well as its potential for shareholder-friendly moves. Salesforce.com had a great number. L Brands reported earnings of 61 cents a share, penny above expectations with revenue slightly below. Victoria's Secret Parent did raise its full-year guidance, but it gave uh, the current quarter forecast that calls falls below analyst estimates amid increased promotions in the industry. <clears throat> Shake Shack is considering adding chicken to its menu in some way, according to a filing. That stock's been very interesting on the positive bent. Amazon.com, or Amazon, is now offering Prime Now service, which is a one-hour delivery from local stores in New York's Manhattan, including groceries, meals, and baked goods when you absolutely positively have to have it in for 60 minutes. Wow. That, I'm not going to say that's a surprise to me. I guess nothing surprises me. But that's the story of retail this year. And you're going to see more and more of it, where Best Buy's going to offer the same thing. And Macy's going to offer the same thing. We talked about it late last year with an analyst from the street about you know, instant purchase and uh, how some companies are going to be in a better position. 
if Macy's has that product at the store that's two miles away from you, that's much cheaper for them to get to you than, say, Amazon, who may have that same item, but it's out in Stockton. So you get the idea. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. The most accurate analyst on Apple just made kind of an alarming call. Um, alarming in a good way. Um, the analyst is Ming Chiku, who believes Apple will announce two new iPhones in August before selling them in September. As the analyst wrote in a recent note sent to clients from uh, the China Post, even though the potential loss is still months away, the launch, Ku has already made many predictions about what to expect from the next iPhone. According to Ku, the Apple's going to release iPhones in a 4.7-inch and 5.5-inch screen sizes again, just as it did with the 6 and the 6 Plus. Um, this time around, though, Apple's new Force Touch is expected to be the phone's primary selling point. Force Touch is a technology that can tell the difference between hard and soft taps on a touchscreen. It's already being used in the MacBooks and the Apple Watch. Um, so, same launch, but a little bit earlier announcement. Typically, the second generation of a phone is a little bit easier to pull off than the first generation, and Apple tends to try to hit a home run every other phone launch. Um, so, a lot of catalysts, lots and lots of catalysts for Apple at this point in time as far as product, but as far as valuation goes, it's pretty, pretty pricey. It's a very slow mover. But Morgan Stanley says there could be 50% upside in shares of Apple based on the upgrades of the second generation from the people at the 5S, skip the 6, go for the 6S. Um, so the current installed Apple users, whereas the newest Apple users are switchers from Google's Android operating system. So that's something to start chewing on. Um, other big stories of note today, initial claims remain near 15-year low. Cyclical sectors are outperforming. Strength in consumer discretionary, industrials, energy, and telco services. Weakness in consumer staples, financials, healthcare, and utilities. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for supporting the show. We'll talk soon. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flint. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.